Welcome everyone to episode 170 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Jamie Barton as we ask why big name players have struggled after leaving Liverpool. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So it's the international break and like I said on our post Brentford episode of the weekend we do like to do something a little bit different during this phase so we're going to take a step back today and, and look at some of the you know, former players who've left the club, some big names, and actually gone on to struggle. And the one we're going to start with is Jeannie Wijnaldum. Now, obviously, he was a hugely you know, significant player for Liverpool. Um, one of those who went a little bit under the radar, but Liverpool fans really did appreciate his value. He made big contributions to, obviously, the Premier League and Champions League winning seasons. He joined Paris Saint-Germain. In 2021, after Liverpool failed to offer him the kind of contract that he felt he deserved. And then it didn't really work out for him in the Parc de Prince. He made 18 starts, but he was left on the bench 16 times and generally underwhelmed, I think, the fans over there in Paris. And that led to him being loaned to Roma, where he subsequently broke his leg and was only able to play 769 league minutes. So after that loan, he returned to PSG. He was largely forgotten about at that point. Obviously, he spent the season in Italy and was ended up training with the unwanted players. Eventually, he got a move to Steven Gerrard's Al Etifak, where obviously Jordan Henderson plays. And I think that's gone a little bit under the radar, the fact that Wijnaldum has sort of ended up so soon after leaving Liverpool playing in Saudi Arabia. And he's joined there by Sadio Mane, who obviously had a bit of a miserable time at Bayern Munich when he spent one season there. And also playing in the Middle East this time in Qatar is Felipe Coutinho. And we don't necessarily need to rehash that whole story of what happened for him, but he's now playing for Alder Hale. And he is only 31 years old, which is the same age of Mohamed Salah. So, so what that huge intro is designed to achieve is to just kind of really set the context of this discussion in terms of three players there who were world-class at Liverpool, albeit in different ways, all of whom have really underperformed quite significantly ever since they departed. So the question I'll put to you, first of all, Jamie, is what what do you think are the main reasons that we've seen multiple players, as I've just laid out, leave Liverpool in their primes and never really discover the kind of form that they showed at Anfield? I think if I had to answer that in one word, it would be system. And I'll, and I'll kind of explain, explain that, what I mean a little bit there. I think what you often see kind of look, almost looking at the reverse of it first, is when, is when players join Liverpool, um, you often, we, we, we're not kind of particularly well known for making like huge signings, although we, we have our moments. We, we, we're looking, tend to look for players who we think are on that kind of cusp of being able to break out. And so, perfect example, someone who's in great form at the moment, Diogo Jota, looks a really good player at Wolves and then seems to kind of go to a whole nother level once he's in our system and I'm using that word for a reason and so when you look at the inverse of that it seems to me that there's these players who are performing not above their levels because that's detrimental to the player but but a player like Wijnaldum like Coutinho like Mane who fit so perfectly into the exact way this almost intricate way that that Klopp wants the team to play that when you see these players drop out of that system, it's not that they're bad players. It's just that I think they've worked so well in one specific system that when they then go into a, a, team, a manager who demands less of them or demands different things from them, 
maybe that's a bit of a shock, certainly initially, and and for those players, seemingly kind of for the rest of their careers. Really. So I, I thought you might mention that. So so we'll get into that first of all uh, as a potential kind of explanation for all of this. I mean. I think you make a very valid point in terms of there was that quote from Jamie Carragher where he said Liverpool don't buy superstars, they make them. And, you know, nine times out of ten, that is true. You know, we look at obviously Klopp's style of play there and how it has maximised those players and his whole system of management, not just kind of tactics, but also, I suppose, the man management side of things which we could talk about at some point. But am I to sort of take what you're saying there, Jamie, to mean that you know, if you had Sadio Mane and he'd gone to... Because he, he was always going to get a big move in the form you've shown at Southampton. He was inconsistent, but it, it was always going to be kind of a step on the ladder for him. Um, and I suppose you could say the same about Gini Wijnaldum. When Newcastle got relegated, he wasn't going to be playing championship football. He had been very good in that in that single season he had there at St. James's Park. So are you sort of making the case that if they hadn't, gone to Liverpool if they'd simply gone to another big club and they hadn't had a manager as good as Klopp they wouldn't actually have reached that sort of level where they're going to be kind of attracted interest from from Bayern and PSG further down the line was it kind of did they sort of build everything based on Klopp do you think I wouldn't say they built everything based on Klopp but I, I do think yeah that the, look you're, you're right Mane was going to get a big move and Wijnaldum wasn't going to go down to the championship. But equally, I, I remember when we signed each of those players, there was a lot of talk about Mane's fee and and kind of, oh, it's this kind of Southampton striker who has been very impressive at Southampton, scored the, the quickest hat-trick in Premier League history. But he hadn't, he, he wasn't kind of one in two for them, as far as I remember. He, he, he was a, a very, very good, promising Premier League player. But what was it, 35 million that we signed him for in the end? I think there was there was some significant discussion around that fee. And equally, I mean, Wijnaldum, yes, no, he wouldn't have gone down to the championship. But had he signed for, a, I don't know who would have been mid-table in, in, that, in that season that's going so long, so long, far, so far back. But had he signed for a kind of upper mid-table side, I don't think anyone would have necessarily gone kind of, oh, he's, he's gone a bit low there. I think, again, it was... Wasn't a surprise to see us sign a, a, a player who had been relegated, but it, it came with a certain sense of kind of trepidation. Oh, so if 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 he signed for if if he went down with them last season, then is he really good enough for Liverpool? And absolutely, both of those players were proved beyond beyond any doubt to be good enough for the club. So these these are players who I don't, it's it's, dif- it's difficult to say whether they would have failed. Under another manager, I think that's too harsh. They're they're both quality players, and I'm sure they probably would have done well wherever they went. But if they hadn't gone to a, a, a tactical setup as as kind of advanced as Klopp's, then it's a sliding doors moment. It's 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 it's. I would have guessed that they would not have become the kind of the kind of players that we know them as today, or the the kind of careers that they've gone on to have, winning basically everything you can win today so yeah yeah I, I think I, I broadly agree with that um to be fair and I think obviously we're, we're talking about um Mane and Wijnaldum here Coutinho slightly different in the sense that he arrived at Liverpool before Klopp was there but equally he sort of got to I think with Coutinho he was always like one of Liverpool's best players sort of in that pre-Klopp period but there were kind of spells maybe where 
he didn't sort of find form and, and maybe, you know, I love Coutinho, but I did think he was guilty of, of going missing at times in that period, albeit in a much weaker side. Um, I think when Klopp comes in, you know, I, I still think back to that sort of first half of that 17-18 season. I think short of maybe Salah, Van Dijk, Allison at their absolute best. I mean, I'm not sure we've seen many sort of primes better than that in Liverpool shares. I think he was absolutely outrageously good in that period. Um, and I think in terms of finding those players, and you are right, being slightly surprised in signings, I think what it reflects is sort of the quality of the scouting at Anfield. Obviously, that was sort of banging the um, Michael Edwards era when those two players came in. I think, I think they arrived in the same summer. And really, it shows that they've found players who maybe weren't you know, generating interest from those at the very, very top at the time. But equally, they saw that they had the attributes to kind of slot into this Liverpool side and, and become world-class eventually. And I think that is almost, it's, it's such a, a triumph for a scouting department when you find someone who's been, you know, relatively, I think, you know, when Mane came in, there was loads of obviously criticism, like you mentioned, of the fear and question mark, things like that. When that player goes on to become one of the very best in his position, and I think that, you know, it is such a badge of honour for a scouting team. And I think sort of similar to Wijnaldum, albeit there was less of a, I suppose, a, an uproar in some courses over that deal. But one thing I want to ask you, Jamie, as well on this is, and, and this is more of a general question, what, what do you think of this concept of, and I see it, you know, bandied about on, on social media a little bit, of sort of system players. Do you, do you think it's a real thing? Do you think there's, there's certain players who can only kind of get to any and like their top level playing sort of on, under certain managers? Because I often think, you know, how should we sort of judge a player? Should we judge them on the absolute best version or should we judge them kind of on the span of of their careers and stuff? Because that can be quite challenging, I think. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I think I think it's probably too harsh to label players as only being able to perform in, in one sort of system. It it's easy to, to kind of focus on the here and now, but in 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 the case of every single player who's made it to this level. They will have played under many different managers, many different systems throughout the entirety of their the footballing education, with the possible exception of maybe La Masia at uh, Barcelona, but that's a tough one. So to, to label players as only being able to perform in, in one specific role, in one specific system, I think is, generally speaking, very, very harsh. But I do think, as I kind of said, that, that there are certain players to which the system is more important than others. Obviously, you'll have your kind of... I mean, take a look at <laughs> any of the Manchester United signings, bar a couple of exceptions over the last few years. These are players because... Basically, because there's been such a turnover of managers and turnover of systems. These are effectively players who are signed for their individual quality rather than any sort of adherence to a to, to kind of tactical output. And so Bruno Fernandes, uh, as much as I dislike the guy, is a fantastic player and he would thrive, I think, in any system. And that's part of the reason, I think, why Manchester United bought him, because they, they basically knew there would be this, this turnover. So there's an example of someone who, who basically would do well anywhere doing anything, I think. An example, the, the examples we've given, maybe particularly Wijnaldum, I would say, seems to me to be at the other end of the spectrum. Where yes, he's a he's a quality player, and 
you, maybe it's a poor example because he was in a completely different system uh, at, at Newcastle playing much further forward. But it seemed to me that once he was put into that new role in that new system, his, his game was just taken to such a ridiculous new level that you can say there are certain players like him to which the system is, is more important and you will only see that top, top level um, if you put them in that system. And that's where I think your point about the scouting is 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 so spot on that they were able to see someone who's playing in a in a different in a relegation not even threatened side they were relegated playing a completely different role and whoever it was who spotted that he was able to come into a, a team challenging for for the top honors in a completely different position how they spotted that is is just beyond me so yeah See, I don't think, and again, I don't know if I'm being harsh, and I, I suppose we have to be wary, like you said, Jamie, of sort of doing these players a disservice. They are all, I mean, obviously Mane and Wijnaldum are, are Liverpool legends, but part of me thinks that, you know, if you take Wijnaldum and, and you say, you know, and if he remained almost the player that he was at Newcastle, where, you know, I think the numbers were always really good. I think that was the same in the Netherlands as well, but I don't know if that player has the same reputation. I don't know if an attacker midfielder is getting sort of 10 goals a season in English football or for, you know, in another one of the top five leagues. I don't know if that player is regarded as kind of that world-class linchpin type figure that he was at Liverpool. So in a way, even though he became less spectacular in his contributions, I think he he did find, like you say, Jamie, a bit of another level there in terms of what he could, what he could offer to the side. And that was obviously an inspired decision in the end from from Klopp because I think there was a lot of Liverpool fans who were sort of there like you know why isn't he operating further forward you know he's being stifled a little bit sometimes it felt like he felt like he couldn't shoot in certain scenarios it was really strange to watch in certain moments but equally I think we always thought when he was here that it was going to be when he left that we fully appreciated what he offered and we obviously saw that massively last season not so much immediately after he left but you know the fact that he wasn't replaced because I think when you look at the Wijnaldum that went to PSG and struggled and obviously there are different reasons for that but part of me wonders if the issue wasn't so much letting Wijnaldum go as it was not bringing in the replacement quicker I think now they've replaced the attributes that they lost finally but it took them a long time and that's why he sort of left so big a void but um just to sort of shift the discussion on a bit and again this applies more to Marnie and Wijnaldum, given that they were sort of around 30, I think when they left, Coutinho was quite a bit younger than that. If we're talking about Klopp's style of football and, and not being equipped to reach maybe the same level in a, a different setup, is there an argument as well that because Klopp's style of play is so exhausting for those players that they kind of reach a certain level of burnout as well? And um, just because you know the amount of sort of running they have to do off the ball and things like that, and you could probably make the case that certainly the earlier version of the club sides, which obviously Mane and Wijnaldum were key figures in. You know, those are teams that were probably the most intense of any side in world football, really. So do you think there's sort of a, a point where cumulative fatigue has come in with these players and maybe if you're buying it and PSG, you should have probably been more aware of, of the risks that that might happen? Yeah, I think I think absolutely. I think that, I think that's spot on. Uh, and you, you look at Mane and Wijnaldum and, and for a good stretch of their... Their, their Liverpool careers, as you touched on, it was we were a team playing much more without the ball than we were 
maybe towards the kind of, I don't know, 18, 19, 19, 20. So they, they arrived, I think, was it uh, summer of 16, 2016? And so for at least two years, you've got that real kind of high, high intensity that, that Klopp is still kind of labelled as. And don't get me wrong, we do play with a high intensity. But I think those those early Klopp years in particular, as you said, were, were even more gung-ho and even more pressing because we were a weaker side and we had to play without the ball slightly more often than we do have to now where we kind of control the play a lot more. And so absolutely, I think there's a <clears throat> an issue with with physical burnout. And I also think there's, there's, a, there's a mental burnout kind of aspect to it as well. I think the, these are players who, particularly in the case of Wijnaldum, left at the absolute kind of peak uh, 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 we just won the league, won the Champions League the, the season before. Just, just at the absolute kind of peak achievement of, of the of the Klopp era, so to speak. And I think, regardless of who you are and what your mentality is, as we saw as a as a kind of team collectively this season after we won the league, there's there's going to be, or there's at least a, a very kind of strong potential for a drop off mentally. Where, and I don't think anyone was sitting back and thinking, "Oh well, we've won everything now, so like, what's what's the point in trying?" I don't think it's that conscious. But what I'm hoping is the case with City this season, is is that once you've kind of achieved such a such a, a an incredible feat that the whole of your last three, four, five years of your career have been building towards and building towards and building towards, and you achieve that. I think it's very, very, very difficult to, to kind of go with the same intensity mentally that you have been doing for the last three, four, five years. Yeah, I think it's one of them in, in that particular case where, you know, the players will come back and they'll say the joy that we felt in that moment was so special that we want it even more now because we know how good it feels. But I kind of would agree with you in the sense that you don't have that same desperation. And I think sometimes desperation is a bit toxic in football, but I also think that it can be utilised as well in certain moments. I think we probably saw that with the emotion of Liverpool's you know, title winning season and the season they won the Champions League as well. There was that sort of desperation at play, really. Um, obviously, we've spoke about um, you know, Mane and Wijnaldum quite a lot. I'm conscious that we've not really kind of got into the Coutinho side of things. So if we just focus on him specifically for a second, I mean, he became one of the most expensive players in the history of football when he made his move. Like I mentioned, that version of him that we saw in those last six months or so was arguably the best um, player in the Premier League at that time, you could say, and one of the best in Europe too. But, you know, things just absolutely spiralled for him. Um when when he went to Barcelona, within eighteen months he was on loan at Bayern Munich. And um, two and a half years after that, he was at Aston Villa on loan, and then he goes permanently for just twenty million euros. Which, considering the fee that he went for when when he actually left Liverpool, was quite a come down in itself. And then obviously Villa, eventually he couldn't even get in the team there, and now he's playing football in Qatar. And the odds are that he's not really going to be heard of again at, at the top level. Unfortunately, I mean. His case is a little bit different, I suppose, to Mane and Wilder, like I said, in the sense that he left pre-Liverpool's peak and sort of pre-his own peak, theoretically, as well, you would have thought. How do you, kind of, when you reflect on that example, think, you know, what is it that went wrong for him? 
that one is is a much tougher case. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think in his case, you might have to just look at the team he was joining at that time. It was not Barcelona were not in a good place when he joined, and he joined with such a kind of ridiculous price tag. It was it was the Neymar money, and that was kind of conscious in the in 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 the heads of the fans and the coaching staff and you'd imagine Philippe Coutinho himself and so to me that seems less like a an example of a player who drops off having left Liverpool and more of an example of a player who drops off having joined a team in turmoil for big money and with the label of a replacement we 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 know ourselves as Liverpool fans when 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 someone is given the X replacement tag, that can be a huge burden. And for someone like Coutinho, it's 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 important to remember that this is it, these are two Brazilian players, and this is a, a a guy who is idolized in his home country as the new Pele. Effectively, if you are the new new Pele in the Barcelona side, then that brings with it so much ridiculous responsibility and you need I think a team who's performing well and, and, and has a system of their own to slot you in in order to to kind of overcome the, the pressure that, that comes with that and so to me that's not so much a Liverpool thing if that makes sense Yeah I see what you mean and um, I'd probably be inclined to agree in the sense that I do think that there was kind of a a bit of a mental block that Coutinho experienced. I mean, obviously going into Barcelona, like at that time, you had Messi and Suarez, who were uh, bigger players than he was. But I do think that kind of the price tag that he arrived with sort of just puts him under an enormous amount of pressure and being obviously in one of the most visible clubs in the world as well. And then I think at Liverpool, obviously he was... You know, he still has an enormous profile, don't get me wrong, but he was kind of one of that fab four that we had for, you know, those six months where it felt like everyone was kind of equal a little bit. And you you almost wouldn't, obviously, without Coutinho money, you know, we don't know if we get Alisson and Van Dijk, it's probably one or the other at best. But you almost wonder, like, what the alternative version of history is, where those players stay together and, and what level Coutinho goes to. And I think that's interesting is, like, you know what what I said before about when you judge someone like Coutinho, do you say I'm gonna look at that those sort of months in the latter half of twenty seventeen where he was unplayable? Or do you say, do you know what, this is a player who could only sort of thrive in that very short period? And I think that he's probably an ideal example of that in a way. And I mean, obviously there's this famous quote that Klopp says to him, um, which has been repeated time and again, where he says something along the lines of if you go to Barcelona, you're just another player. But if you um, stay at Liverpool, they'll build statues in your honour. And that, again, probably links into the kind of the um, alternative version of history. And it was one of the most prescient, you know, comments Klopp's ever made, really, in terms of Coutinho. Not only was he not adored by the Barca fans, he was, I think, within sort of a year of arriving or something like that. He was booed by them. There was a goal he scored against Man United in the Champions League where I think he put his fingers in his ears after scoring because he'd been jeered that much. And it was basically kind of really hostile with the fans at that point. And part of me wonders as well whether there's something about the dynamic at Liverpool that Klopp's been able to cultivate that 
it's not not only just kind of the football inside of things that really suits them, but it's also they find themselves in such like a, I mean, maybe this is a naive thing to say, but it feels like the dynamic at Liverpool is so perfect and the circumstances there for players to thrive that they're not used to going into clubs where there isn't maybe that same sense of harmony. Obviously, we saw, for example, Mane had a, um, a falling out with, you know, Leroy Sane, to, to say the least. And then obviously at PSG as well, you know, Wijnaldum's going into a team where you've gone from basically no egos to absolute pure egos. So I think there's a bit of a cultural issue there as well. I mean, when you look at those three players, Jamie, would you say that if all of them had the chance to do it again, they would stay at Liverpool? I think probably Wijnaldum's quite interested in that because he kind of didn't want to stay because he didn't get an offer that he felt he, you know, justified his importance to the team. So do you think if he could do it again and if the other two could as well, they would, you know, decide, you know what, I've got a, this is the best environment for me to be. Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think the interesting thing with, with Coutinho certainly is that we obviously only saw half a season with him and Salah both in the side. And so it's very difficult to get a, a gauge on what Klopp's system would have been if Coutinho had decided to stay. And obviously... What Coutinho might say is if, well, I if I stayed then and we didn't get Alisson and Van Dijk because we didn't have the money to do so, then does the team kind of skyrocket in the same way that it does? And so that's a very tricky one. I think you'd, you'd have to say for Coutinho, yes, just because of how much and how quickly his career fell off a cliff at, as you said, what really should have been kind of the peak of it. And so you'd have to say yes for him. I think you're, you're right about Wijnaldum. Um, with the kind of contract thing, it, it, it appeared that he did want to stay. And I think if he had the the choice to wave a magic wand and get the club to offer him the, the right amount of money to stay, um, then absolutely, I think he would have done that. And he probably still, looking now, would have done that with the, with the money that he was offered and he would have stuck around because it's not like he was going to Qatar straight away, or sorry, to, to the Middle East straight away or wherever. Um, he, he went to a team that he thought he was going to win things with and he thought he was going to play in Paris Saint-Germain and he didn't play. So I think he wasn't he wasn't after the kind of payday. Obviously, he would have been well looked after at PSG, but he, he, he was still a competitive player and you'd imagine that he still would have wanted to stick around. Mane, it's a tough one. I think maybe, certainly looking at the quotes that that Firmino came out with a week ago or so, I think maybe he wanted to kind of escape the the shadow of Mohamed Salah a little bit. And I think going to Bayern, where obviously huge players, but he might not have kind of had that kind of association at Liverpool that he did where it was... It was Salah and Mane, and and I, I say that in that order specifically. I think he wanted to kind of get out of the, as I say, the shadow of Salah. And so given the choice, I think he probably would have left again and he might have chosen maybe a better club to go to than the one he did. But he's the one that stands out to me that given the opportunity, he probably would have left Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier that Coutinho was coming back and having to replace Neymar. 
I think Mane went to Bayern to replace Lewandowski as well. And that is obviously, you know, you can look at that two ways. You can say, you know, that is an unbelievable amount of pressure to someone who broke, um, obviously, Gerd Muller's goal-scoring record during his time at Bayern. But then you can also say that linking into what you said, which I think is quite a good point in terms of getting out of Salah's shadow. I mean, he really did have the opportunity to become the main man in that attack at that time. Obviously, he didn't take it. Um, I think it's one of them with Mane. The numbers look like okay-ish, but then you think you're the main forward for Bayern Munich. You should be scoring about 40 goals, to be honest. And I think that's probably what Bayern expected. I think they were really sort of delighted with the signing. So it was going to be a game changer. And then by the end of it, they're desperate to get him to go. And just to finish off then, Jamie, I mean, I think there's an argument that with Mane, Liverpool maybe saw that he wasn't quite the player that he had been in 2019. You know, the, the season where he left while he finished it very strongly, there was a long goal drought for him in the first half of that season. Wijnaldum, maybe they saw that the load that he'd taken on, you know, over the years was going to take its toll on him eventually, just in terms of the amount of football he played, things like that. Maybe it's just, you know, that they were a bit fortunate. But we're obviously establishing a trend here, and we have done it in this podcast. But is there just an element of football transfers, even when you're buying players who are proven commodities at the top level? There is just a, a very high degree of risk inherently, and Liverpool are the masters of that. But maybe it's the case that other teams have a much more hit and miss record, and that it's not necessarily anything specific to do with Liverpool. It's just the, the inherent perils of the markets and the different challenges that can crop up and stop a player from getting to their best level. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely a factor. Um, while Coutinho was, what, 26 or whatever when he left us, we're not talking about young prospects here. We're not talking about up-and-coming players. These are all players who are either entering their peak or potentially coming down from their peak years. And so it's, it's seemingly quite rare that you'll get a player, of, of certainly of Wijnaldum or Mane's age, moving and making a huge impact at their new club. And so that is, that's absolutely a factor. Even if you look at, and I was, I was thinking before we, we came on this, the players that, that have left Liverpool and have done kind of better than, than they did at the club. And admittedly, I didn't think of particularly too many, but the, certainly the ones who came to mind of who now play in the Premier League would, would Awanyi and Solanke. Two young players who, good prospects, but weren't maybe at the, the heights level to break into the, the, the front line that we had at the time and going somewhere else at a young age and kind of proving what they can do. And so those are the, the opposite of the players who we've been discussing on this, on this pod. So, yeah, I think trans- transfers are fraught and particularly when, when, you're, when you're signing established proven players for, for, in each case, fairly big money. And, and I think, you know, it's a, good, it's a good point to make in terms of the contrast with players like Solanke. I mean, what we're seeing is Coutinho, Mane, Wijnaldum, they're all basically moving to similar clubs with similar roles and expected to do the same thing. Whereas with those two, it was like they were moving away from a club where they weren't necessarily going to get the opportunities. And then joining clubs where they could be sort of a much more important figure. Um, 
and that kind of transition obviously suited them quite well in the end. But yeah, I think um, we should pretty much leave it there uh, for this discussion. Thanks very much uh, for jumping on, Jamie. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a five-star review. We'd very much appreciate it. And also remember to follow the podcast and press the notification button as well. And you can email us with any thoughts or questions. It's redsunrestrictedpodcast at gmail.com. And that's in the episode description as well. We'll be back next week when I imagine we'll be looking ahead to the biggest game of the season so far for Liverpool away to Manchester City. So make sure you join us for that one. But until then, take care.